I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Mark England. Mark is a TEDx speaker and co-founder and head coach of Enlifted. Uh, He's been researching, presenting, and coaching on the power of words and stories for 15 years. So, Mark, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there just because I, I really want you to tell us your background. I, I don't want to uh, do anything to to sort of minimize it here. But first of all, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I, I really do appreciate your time. My, my pleasure, Jason. Uh, happy to to introduce myself a, a little bit to everybody. Everybody listen, potentially watching. Uh, I've been I've been doing this work, and when I when I refer to this work, uh, like you mentioned in, in, in that, in that intro, my bio, I've been researching how our language and our stories and our identities influence us for better and for, or for worse. It's both better for better and for worse, somewhere between full-time and overtime the whole time for the past 15 years. And I get, um, this is my 295th, 295th podcast being interviewed on this one subject matter. And, um, I get asked, uh, I get asked a lot. When did you, when did you start paying attention to, to language and words? And there are two parts to that. There are two answers to that question. The first was when I moved over to Thailand, uh, in 2002 and was an elementary school sports teacher. I was an elementary school sports teacher for five years. Great gig at an international school in Bangkok, Thailand. And what I quickly recognized is that I needed to be good with my words because, uh, when you've got, here's how, you know, when you got it, when you can take 20 stark raving, mad, excited second graders from one side of campus across the, uh, to the other side of campus, over into the pool, everybody dresses out, does the, the, the swimming lesson, survives free swim, get them back in the changing room. Everybody gets, everybody gets all, gets dressed, has, gets all their gear and get them back over to a predetermined point where, where you've picked them up in that amount of time, like on time. That's when you know you got it. That's when I started paying attention to um, what would happen if 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 I got clear and uh, and repeated clear clear speech. If I used clear communication repeatedly, that's a word I'm going to talk about. Reference as we go through this this conversation, which is repetition. Repetition, mother of all skill, whether you're learning to sell uh, real estate or play the violin or kickboxing or develop your uh, your mindset. It's a big deal. Or parenting. You know, parents say a lot. I've heard I've heard parents say uh, way more than once, you know, I hate repeating myself. There's a reason for that. Touch on that later. The second time uh, I added a very big why to getting better and better at communication was in 2003. So I thought I was a tough guy. I thought I was a tough, I wrestled in high school, uh, competed in MMA, fought in all through college and moved over to, I was doing pretty good. I won a couple of state kickboxing titles and things were, you know, they were progressing. And so I moved over to Thailand uh, the, the, the plan was to be over there for one year and I ended up being over there for 10. Still sounds a little strange to say that I lived in Thailand for a decade and it happened. So, uh, move over there. And the plan was to stay there for a year, practice, polish up my Thai boxing skills and come back and go pro. That is not what happened. Six months in, 
Um, I'm on the operating table, getting my second knee surgery and, uh, the whole, the whole thing stopped. My fight career stopped. Darkness descended. The thing I was using to, to desperately try to prove to myself in the world that I was good enough at something, um, was quote unquote taken away from me. And, uh, I didn't laugh for an entire year. It's a spooky thing to do. I don't recommend it. I'd rather talk to the IRS. I'd rather get put on hold for 30 minutes and it's an inside joke, y'all. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, so after I got sick of myself, I finally, finally, I got sick of this story, this victim centric story, this victim mentality that had entrenched itself in, in my, my mind and, and took up the entirety of my mental real estate. I use those words quite a lot. Um, and, and so much so that I, 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 like I said, I didn't laugh. I, I doubt I smiled authentically in a time. And so after a year of that nonsense, I looked down that road and I said, dude, thank God this little sliver of wisdom hit me. I said, dude, are you going to be complaining about this when you're 55? I was 26. It's like, if you do that, which you can, because you are right now and you've been doing it for an entire year repeatedly, uh, then you really are a loser. There really is something you, 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 you failed. I said anything but that. So uh, right around that same time, the vice principal of the school that I taught at, he, he had come back from this cleansing resort on an island in the Gulf of Thailand called Koh Samui. This place is called the spa. And at the time it was, it was hopping, dude. Went down there and it was a great gig. You pay to not eat for seven days. Uh, and, and, you know, you're doing the yoga classes and the steam rooms at night and you're drinking these weird shakes and, and taking the herbal detox pills and everybody's talking about what's happening in the bathroom. And, and, um, it's a scene. It was a fun scene. And, my th- I, I, I felt better after my first trip down there. So I'm going to keep doing this. So I went back down, kept going down third time down there. I went to, and I, in, in all my wisdom, I laughed at the name. I, somebody told me, Hey man, there's a guy, he's, he's doing a, an emotional detoxification workshop tonight. And I'm like, emotional detox. I went though. And what I saw, uh, uh, Got, let's just say it got my attention. So he talked about words and he talked about stories and he talked about identity and he talked about breathing. And then he asked, is there anybody that's hung up on a story? And this woman shot her hand right up and it was legit, a legit bad breakup story. Um, and she shared it, you know, her boyfriend cheated on her at a party with all one of, with one of her best friends in front of everybody and then dumped her at a party in another party. It was at beach week and in front of everybody the next night. And she's, she's been super pissed for four years, hasn't gotten in a relationship, taking it super personal, uh, just steaming on the thing. And he, he had her tell the story and he just let her go tell the story at the end angry and tears and he said tell that same story again please and as she got he started to make some adjustments to the words and she started to loosen up so now at the end of this second second time through that same story she's sad no tears third time through he stopped her at the lord of the rings sentence this one sentence that was holding the whole thing together, forcing her to, to make everything that happened about her. And it was, he did that to me. He did that to me. And the guy was, the guy was smart. He, he had her repeat it, made sure everybody in that workshop was staring at that same sentence. It was a prison, that same prison sentence, that same mental prison sentence. Get it? He did that to me. And then he said that last word, take out, take out the he or just take out the me and put in himself. And it was such she had to think about it, think about it, because it was such a radical departure from this story that she had been telling herself over and over and over repeating. And because we can get really skilled at 
bad things, <laughs> quote unquote, bad things. You know, you, I, I've done it. I've got, I got really skilled at creating and maintaining a victim mentality. And a large part of that was through repetition of particular stories, which had particular words. Okay. I'll recite the definition of the victim mentality here in a hot second. And she, she, it was, it was clunky when she said it, he had her say it. It was clunky and it went up at the end. It's called up talk. And when a sentence goes up at the end, you can turn any statement into a question. He, he did that to himself. And then you see it catch and she talks herself and walks herself into a different story, different reality. She takes a breath, a, a, a sigh of relief of pressure. It comes off the top because he did that to me is, is a, a, that's a, that's going to activate sympathetic nervous system response. It's going to trap the breath in the chest. He, he did, he did do that to himself. And, and then she starts talking about all the things that happened. He lost friends. It was a big deal. And, and then finally she got enough of this quote unquote off her chest. She goes, you know, that was never going to work out and anyway. He was actually pretty weird. <laughs> right. And I see that and I go, that's not my story, but that's my story. Cause I had this story about the guy shouldn't have kicked me that hard when we were warming up. I had all the villains. I had all the villains, including my, uh, uh, including my genetics and just like I had, I had everyone to blame. My, my language was forcing me to, to, to create the villains because victims need that. One of my favorite quotes from Ayn Rand evil requires the sanction of a, of a victim. And let me get this real straight, everybody. This is not victim blaming. This is victim mentality explaining. They're two very different things. One, you're pointing at the person. The other one, you're pointing at the book the person's reading. Those are two very different things. So the definition of the victim mentality, and then I'll, I'll get this out of the way because it's important for these foundational conversations about how our language influences us for better or for worse. And then Jason, we can take a take the conversation a variety of directions. So the definition of the victim mentality, if you all got a pen, folks, I highly recommend writing this down because once most people have never heard the definition of the victim mentality, much less heard it in a conversation and a nuanced conversation. And further still, most people never written down the definition of the victim mentality. And when pen hits paper, magical things happen. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. I'll say that again quick. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard as a tendency. They tend to regard himself, themselves, himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence, as in we can make shit up. The victim mentality depends, as in it has to have a habitual thought process and attributions. So that second sentence, right between the eyes, right where it belongs, the victim mentality depends, has to have a habitual thought process. Habitual accurately implies duration, also known as repetition, duration and addiction. If it has to have a habitual thought process, what, what are the habitual thoughts? What are the words? That's the business we're in. That's what I talk about when I come on podcasts. Very, very powerful stuff. I mean, that, that the story that you told and, you know, kind of walking through that and the, the words that she was using, I think, it really is, you don't, it's, it's easy to talk to ourselves in a way that, I don't know, maybe supports the narrative that's running through our head or that we're, we're creating for ourselves. And I think maybe the hard part is then getting yourself out of that cycle, right? Like, like you said, I mean, and, and to be sure, I, I a hundred percent agree, not not laughing for a year is, is far better than 30 minutes with the IRS on the phone. That is, that is true. I, you know, laughter is, you know, people always say like, just smile and it'll, it'll brighten your day. And it, it sounds a little silly, but I a hundred percent believe it's true uh, that with, with, with my kids, like one of my greatest joys is just hearing people laugh. So, so yeah, I, I think that's, that is a, 
a big deal to, to not laugh for a year. And, and, but so you, you made some changes in your life. Like you, you, you actively went out and, and went to the spa and, and did these, you know, things to, to make these changes. I feel like you mentioned that, you know, you had that little, I guess, moment in your head where you, you said to yourself, am I going to be, still be complaining about this when I'm 55? Like, I, I think that's a, that in and of itself, like that very short statement is, huge. is huge. Right. And like, and I feel like, you know, the, the people are in that sort of victim mentality space, maybe just, <laughs> maybe just that one sentence right there, just think like, is this what I want to do forever? Right. Do it. Is this really how I want to think about life for the, for the forever, right. For, for as long as there is. So maybe can you talk a little bit mark about just obviously you made you made that revelation to yourself but but how would how do you suggest people kind of get from this space maybe maybe they're not going to go to thailand maybe they're not going to have the opportunity to do these um emotional cleansing is that what you called it that the, the emotional detox yeah, yeah detox yeah, yeah. yeah so maybe they don't have that you know, readily accessible anyway, what, what sort of things do you talk to people about? I don't know, escaping from that, that prison of, of the way they talk to themselves. This entire conversation is, is one about education has nothing zilch to do with intelligence. They did that to me. She never lets me think for myself. He made me think we needed to get married. I had someone say that in a session. Those statements are going to create Victim, villain, mental imagery, just as easy for Einstein as it, as it will for me. Okay, more on that later. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna harp on the education part of the conversation. Most so, I grew up in the public school. I came up in the public schools system. I have a master's degree in education. On neither side of that fence did I have one course, class, or conversation on how to use my language. And when I mean language, everybody, I mean internal dialogue and external dialogue, what we think, what we say, and what we write. I didn't have one course, class, or conversation on how to use my language to stay focused on the things that were important to me, to keep the drama low, to build myself up in my imagination, self-image, kinda, important, how to use my words, my language to build up positive emotions, quote unquote, positive, empowering emotions and feelings. No, 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 nothing, nothing. It was all regular spelling, grammar, and definitions. And that is usually the extent of people's training when it comes to, uh, the English language. Most people's language is secretly working against them. And that's what we teach people to do, get their words, get their language working for them. And it's one of the easiest things in the world to miss because it's so close to home, right between our ears, right under our nose, right at the tips of our fingers. Okay. I know. Come on. What's more seductive than our own voice in our own head? So, that's part of the answer to that question. I'm very happy to go into uh, the three pillars of conflict language, which make up roughly 85% of the uh, habitual thought patterns. Remember the definition of the victim mentality? It's roughly 85% of the habitual thinking, the habitual thought patterns that the victim mentality has to have. And when you learn just a little bit more about these language patterns, then you can start practicing thinking, speaking, 
and writing in just slightly different ways and in a very short amount of time, people have experiences with that. So when I go from, I can't keep focusing on my past to I can focus on my future more. Those are two different statements that point my attention, my awareness. They activate my reticular activating system differently. When I say uh, it's almost like I'm procrastinating, and I remember listening to this show, and I go, uh, wait a minute, take out the almost like, no, I am procrastinating. Stop. Or, you know, maybe I should spend more time with, with, with my partner. Take out the maybe. Well, I know I need to. Okay, great. What are we going to do? Well, let's, let's go to the lake house for the weekend. And you'll start talking yourself into better and better things. See, most people's language, it tricks them into being innocent bystanders in their life. That's not fun. It tricks them to being uh, uh, spectators in the stands. And like I said, I'm saying it now twice, that's not fun. What we do is we help people use their words better to keep things real simple and talk themselves into better and better things so you enjoy your life more. Because guess what? This is not the trial run, folks. You're in it. We're in it. And one of the most powerful forces in your life, let's yeah, mindset. Yes. Okay, great. Let's talk about mindset. You know what mindset is? It's a story. It's a story. It's a story. It's an ongoing story that you're telling yourself to yourself about yourself. There's your practical definition of mindset. And the converse, we're in the mindset business deep. The the normal conversation, the average way, I mean, it's almost exclusively, when people talk about mindset, they do it in this big picture thing. So it's this thing we know we need to get better at, uh, but how there's that confident person over, over there, that looks fun. I'm over here. Whoops, would have been nice. When you add in the conversation about what words to use a little bit more of and why, and what words to use a little bit less of and why, then mindset becomes practical. Then you can start practicing with your, with your language. Um, so there are three, uh, there are three pillars of conflict language, which was in a course that we shot way back in the day, it was previously called victim mentality language, accurate to the definition of the victim mentality. It was, it was too strong of a place to start the conversation. So we had to reshoot this whole thing. Big thing to do for two dudes bootstrapping a business. And so we called it conflict language because, you know, uh, yeah, I've got some conflict going on. Yeah. You should see work and wow, got that whole, yeah, that other thing going on too. And so there's, there's three pillars of it. The first one that we'll talk about is negations. So if you're, if you, if you like to write, write down these keywords, cause there's only a handful of them. Can't won't, isn't, hasn't, haven't, not, shouldn't, might've said don't twice. Oh, well, see, there's, there's, it's nice to listen to things about things, everybody. And then it's also, it's even better to, to have practical things that you can do. Okay. So whenever I come on a podcast, this is class. This is class. If someone negation acknowledged doesn't leave with something that they can do quickly and easily and have an experience, what was, what was it? It was just a mental exercise. Better than watching the news for sure. And let's let's add in some value. So negations. My first thing my driving teacher said. My my grandmother was a third degree world champion black belt at the art of worrying, worrying. She was as good as it gets. And I only, this is where a lot of people's worry comes from, folks. Because negations, they force you to stare at the things that you don't want to happen. 
that you're sick of, that can't keep continuing, that you won't continue putting up with. But yet there it is again in your imagination. And if you're seeing it in your imagination, it's affecting your feelings and emotions. And if it's if you see it in your imagination and it's affecting your feelings and emotions, then it's affecting your breathing. Most people's breathing, most people's language is working against them. Most people's breathing is trapped in their chest. That's a very uncomfortable place to live. It's also an uphill battle when it comes to you know, building a professional career relationships that you want, want to have. No, people do not feel good around other people when someone's like holding their breath and all tense and tight. You want to make other people feel comfortable around you? Unlock your breathing. Get your breath low and slow. Get your breath low and slow and go on a date. Watch what happens. Get your breath low and slow and give pitch your services, whatever they are. Watch what happens. Get your, unlock your breathing and go give a presentation. Watch what happens. We're known as the language people. We might as well be known as the language and the breathing people and gun to head. It's about the breath because I know what happens when people unlock their breathing, their life gets a whole lot better. Everything up and down the stack. You want to degrade the quality of your life massively across the board. Hold your breath in your chest, get your breath right up there. Nice and tight known as sympathetic nervous system response or a coastal breathing, labored breathing, shallow breathing, and just keep it there. Keep it there for a few years. Let me know how things go. So, uh, first thing my driving teacher said when I got in the car, I said, look where you want to go because you're probably going to go there. And negations, like I said, force you to stare at the thing that you are tired of. And that, to circle back to that conversation, that's why parents, that's the main reason parents say I hate repeating myself because they repeat themselves in negation. Don't leave your clothes on the floor. I just made a picture of you doing that again. Don't, don't get up, uh, uh, and, and leave the dinner table without finishing your food. I just made a picture of you doing that likely before you're going to do it. Piss myself off. Use my words. Just made you make that little picture too. And now we're <clears throat> like that. Um, you can't keep uh, not turning in your homework. More pictures. Parents, turns out parents enjoy repeating themselves because you're going to. Newsflash, if you're a parent, you're going to repeat yourself. So if you learn to do it well, it's so true. It's the most true thing ever in parenting. Yep. Like who, I mean, who came up with that, by the way, kids should be seen and not heard. I mean, what rocket scientist came up with that one? No, guess what? Guess what? Numb nuts. They're going to make some noises more yeah. than once. So, you know, <laughs> they sure do. Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> they sure do. And just, just wait till they really start stringing their words together. Um, I was giving, I was 2014. I was in Calgary giving a training to a sales team state after did one-on-one sessions with all their, it's like 20 people. And I'm in a room with a young man who's struggling at work. He's 22, 23. It was just he and I, two chairs facing each other. So we're all still on the negation conversation. Everybody, there's three pillars that we're, we're doing the first one negations. Then we're going to talk about projections and then we're gonna finish with soft talk. Cause that's where the, the exercise is. What do we do? Soft talk more in a second. And, um, and, and write this down, everybody. So our language, again, keeping it simple, our language influences four main aspects of our experience of ourselves simultaneously. It influences our imagination. It influences our emotions and feelings. It influences our posture to keep it super simple. And it influences our breath. And um, you can positively influence those aspects of yourself. You can negatively influence those aspects of yourself. Here's an example of a gentleman using a negation sentence who negatively influenced those four aspects of himself immediately and quite strongly. So he's telling me about how he's struggling at work. And this is what he says is what he does. I'm going to adjust my headset. So it does negation. Not doesn't fly off my head. He goes, Mark, I can't keep focusing on my past. What did I just do right there? What did he do? He said that statement. Look at the words folks. That's the, that's the punchline of this whole conversation. Look at the words. I can't keep focusing on my past. He said that and turned around. It wasn't like a little nose scratch. Hit that those words influenced his body language. 
He turned around all the way around, looked behind him and then turned back and looked at me. I'm staring right at him. Of course I see it. I go, dude, you know, you just turned around and looked behind you. He goes, what? And I go, yeah. What'd you see? Cause now we got one posture. What'd you see? Imagination. Uh, he had to stop and think about it. I saw myself on the couch and all alone. That's two. I asked him, what are you feeling? He was angry, scared, and anxious. And then four, I didn't even need to ask, even though I did. Where are you breathing? He's like, because uh, he's in a stress response. It's known as amygdala hijack. Look it up. And, uh, and so I handed him a pen. And I said, write that sentence down. He goes, which one? I can't keep focusing on my past. So he does. I can't keep focusing on my, remember that original statement? He did that to me. Got to, got to get, let's, let's, let's start staring more at words, folks. It's where the action's at. He wrote it down. I can't keep focusing on my past. And I said, if that's what you can't keep doing, what can you start doing? And just like that first person, that one with the break, focus on my future more. Half a sentence going up at the end turns into a question. I said, yes, now make it a statement. And it was clunky with breath because he was so used to repeating this. I can't keep focusing on my past. I'm screwing up. And then there's the worst parts of my past. And there's where there's the person that wasn't there for me because these things keep going. It's called thought trains for a reason. And he goes, I can focus on my future more. I can. I, 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 I can, I can, I can focus on my future more. And then I asked him what, what would that, in, I mean, what do you, it was all about his job. Like, what could you do at work that would benefit you? And he said, well, um, these two books, everybody keeps talking about need to read those. There's a mentorship program I can sign up for. And, um, all the, there, there's a, there's um, networking every month. Everybody goes out and they go bar hopping and like all the, all the best sales. He started doing that. Wrote me nine months later, said my professional life has profoundly changed. I, I moved out and I've got my own place. Thanks. Thanks again. So what's the opposite of the negation is called affirmation keywords. Can, will, does, do, has, have. Use more of those words and you're going to, you're going to like what's going to happen because you're going to, you're going to make, you're going to point yourself in a better direction. You're going to, you're going to force yourself to stare at what you want as opposed to what you don't want. Uh, uh, finish your, finish your food before you, before you get up and go to your room, but I'd finish your food before you get up and go to your room, finish your food. and you can go to your room, repeat yourself like that. Watch what happens. Everybody stays way cooler, way calmer. That's one. Negations versus affirmations, projections. That's the last place we recommend working or starting because that's where the that's where the real attachment is in comparison to the three. Also known as the emotional attachment. Also known as um, the it's, those are the things that lock people up the most. So um, you need to treat me better. Uh, my mother talks to me like a child. Uh, they don't care what I have to say. Look at that. Quite common thing. to. They don't care what I have to say. Excuse me while I drop a tactical nuke in, into my imagination. I Because that forces me instantly to make the victim villain mental imagery. It will because two plus two equals four. They're in the picture. I'm in the picture. They're not listening to me because blah, blah, blah. And I've got to wait for them to change their behavior so I feel worthy of something and hurry up and do it because I can't do it for myself. So I need you. It creates crazy codependency and just ridiculous, ridiculous ideas. Like I said, uh, I believe I said this earlier. I had a woman come in and sit down and uh, uh, the, the, the crux of her story, she'd been divorced for five years. My husband made me think we needed to get married. He made me think that. Guess what I did? Because I'm a rocket scientist. I gave her a pen and had her write it down. She didn't like where it went at first. She did later. But um, like I said, there, there's a lot of attachment. That's, that's 
projections, that's where, that's where the venom is. It's where the bitterness is. If you take it far enough, that's where the seething is. I was a seething individual for a while. And um, the answer to that question, dude, are you going to be complaining about this when you're 55? Uh, the answer to that, and you all can ask yourself that about particular things going on in your life. And the answer is maybe you could. You totally could. That, that should, that will, that'll sober some of you up. That will emotionally, that will get your attention because it, because there's a lot at stake. There's, there's a lot at stake here, folks, in the, in, in your, in the, in the, in the story you tell yourself about yourself, also known as your identity, also known as your mindset. And, uh, I, I said, uh, take out the heat, you know, he made me think we needed to get married and put in I, and she just stared at me. And so I backed up and I said, who thinks your thoughts? Reluctantly, she said, me. She knew where this was going. Anybody. Ray Charles could see where this is going. Uh, who, who, who creates your feelings? Who feels your feelings? Him or, or you? And when the breath goes, then I know they're on board or way more on board. Me. Great. Just give it a shot. Try a new sentence. See what happens. I, I mean, I did. I did. I, I did. I made me think we needed to get married. You know, I was, it was my late twenties and, you know, with the kids thing going on and, you know, my parents thought he was the one and there was some pressure there. And so because she turned that sentence into something more accurate, first and foremost, and empowering. Okay. Cause that's a very disempowering thing to say. He made me think we needed to get married, which implies that I've got no power in the situation. And he just treated me like a doormat. That sounds fun. No, I'm lying. It's very stressful to tell yourself those stories. And then this whole thing gets way worse because the breath tr gets trapped in the chest. It's amygdala hijack. I said it twice. Look it up. Breath. Get, we, we say certain words. Our breath gets trapped in our chest. Also known as going into stress responses. And we get tunnel vision on something. Good luck changing your, your mind if your breath is trapped in your chest. We get tunnel vision on the thing. Our listening ability goes way down, drops dramatically. We lose access to our internal and external peripheral vision. You look all this up. As in our creative faculties, that's our internal peripheral vision. Okay. And then our external faculties, you'll, you'll, your, your, your peripheral vision really does shrink when you go into these stress responses. Um, and, and, and guess what? You're, it's in a, you're an instrument. You can play yourself differently. You can hit different. It's like a piano. You can hit different keys. If you know that there's a game to play and with just a little bit of, with a little bit of direction, which I'm going to give you at the end when we talk about soft talk, which let's talk about soft talk. So soft talk is the gateway drug to the rest of your language. Okay. It's the easiest game out of these three to play. It's the fastest to raise your awareness about. And, um, it's, it's just simply the best place to start the conversation. So, um, you mind if we play a language game, Jason? Know. Cool. Let's uh, write down, write down one, or you can just rattle it off. So, uh, one personal goal for 2022, because this really makes the case for soft talk. Give me a personal goal for 2022 and a professional goal for 2022 in, in a full sentence. What's a personal goal? Uh, I think I'd like to spend more time with, with my kids, my family. Perfect. Put the word guess in there. I guess I will spend more time with my <laughs> kids and my family. What happens when you put one word in there? What does it do to the energy? Yeah. Well, it sounds silly then, like you don't really mean it. And, and what if unbeknownst to you, those words, because these, these words are in our language, folks, I promise you. Uh, uh, what if you, well, I'll ask that question later. Give me a professional goal. Uh, my professional goal for 2022 is to, is to grow my businesses, but both of them, uh, just, I don't, I don't have a more, I guess I don't have a specific amount of growth, but yeah, oh, to that's grow great. The businesses. That's great. Same sentence, put a sort of in there. 
I sort of want to grow my businesses this year. Folks, if you want to turn yourself into a joke, first and foremost to yourself and majorly um, wreck your confidence, use more soft talk. If you want to double your confidence as it stands right now, this is one of our enlifted promises. If you want to double your confidence in three months, you can do it by cutting your soft talk keywords in half. And there's only about 10 of them. All right. And before we do the soft talk challenge, we got to talk about the reticular activating system. So once upon a time in 2018, I'm walking out the front of my uh, house in Richmond, going to give a presentation. I walk over to where I parked my car the night before and it's gone. Toast. Somebody jacked my ride. And so I'm staring at this empty space, which was my car. And I'm thinking it was, it was a slow burn, man. The, the, for those two dots to connect, it, it felt like it took a, a, a while. I remember the feeling I would have loved to have a, a, a picture of my face. It was like, <laughs> so I called the police. I said, help. And they said, hold on, buddy, we're coming. And then I called my dad and said, dad, somebody stole my truck. No, I'm not kidding. I've got stuff to do. Can I come out and get the farm truck? So my dad has a farm an hour and a half away. I go get the, the one of his prized possessions. In 1985, he bought a Ford F-150, two tones of brown. We call it brown and browner. Bought it brand new off the showroom floor. It sits out under a, a canopy at the, at the farm and still in mint condition. And I drove brown and browner into Richmond and Within a matter of 24 hours, I start seeing more and more 1985-ish Ford F-150s all over the place. It was spooky. Most people have that experience. You ever you ever had that experience? You buy a car and you start seeing that. What was the model? Just for curiosity. Uh, it was an Audi, Audi S5. I mean, just I, I just saw, it was like suddenly I saw Audis everywhere. <laughs> right? Now, that's the reticular activating system. And this is one of the most... Uh, well-studied social psychological phenomenons. The most famous social psychological study on the reticular activating system done that I'm aware of is the invisible gorilla. So 1999, two uh, psychologists, they take seven students, college students, dress three in white, three in black, and one in a gorilla costume. And they film them for one minute. They give the white team two basketballs, the black team two basketballs, and um, the white team has to pass the, so the teams, you know. Uh, and then, and then thirty seconds in, they get that college student in the gorilla costume to walk into the middle of all of that, look at the camera, beat his chest, and walk out. That was the one minute film, and then they now show that video to. Tens of thousands. You can still see the original, it's grainy, video on YouTube. Just type in Invisible Gorilla. They wrote a book about it. Two books, I think. And uh, um, they directed their attention. And they said, count how many times the white team passes the basketball back and forth to each other. Spoiler alert, correct answer is 15. At the end, they asked him, how many times you see? Some people got it right. Some people got it wrong. Doesn't matter. Then they, then they go, oh, by the way, did you happen to see... The, the gorilla. 50, five, zero, 50 percent of people, because they're not looking for it, edit out something as seemingly obvious as a gorilla because they're busy counting these these basketballs over here. So the reticular activating system, it has a search function and an edit function. It is completely impartial. Once something deems important, also known as something you focus on, especially if you start emotionalize, emotionalizing over it, you'll start to see more and more of that thing. In my case, it was the 1985 Ford F-150s. In your case, it was the Audis. In this, their case, they're counting the basketballs. So we're searching for something, and then we're editing something out. So while I'm seeing more and more trucks, uh, uh, I'm seeing less blue Osmobiles and uh, red Volkswagens. 
And so, um, have you ever, I'm assuming that you've been doing something and, and all of a sudden you catch a noise from out of somewhere and it's annoying and now you can't stop hearing that noise. Yeah. <laughs> That's the reticular activating system. Have you ever had someone tell you some surprisingly good news about someone and it changes how you see them in your imagination? And then the next time you see them out at a social function, you're like, you blew like, you're, oh yeah, great. It's a, it's a, you ever had that happen? Right. Yep. That's the reticular activating system. Have you ever had someone tell you some surprisingly unpleasant news about someone and it changes their your, the picture and your imagination and then you see him and guess, and are we doing that to ourselves all the time, all the time and left to its own devices, the way that the English language is used generally speaking, it is externalized, vague and inflammatory. That's where most people start when they start learning about their language. And you, if, if you want to, if you want to play the mindset game, you got to learn about your words. Otherwise you're just going to be this you know, theoretical. You're just going to be in theory land, learn the words. Now, now it's practical. It's, we say it on our website, practical mindset tools to unlock freedom and confidence. Sound nice. So soft talk here. Okay. We're going to play the soft talk challenge, everybody. We've been running this for years. This is my answer. And it took me 50 minutes to get here to your original question at the beginning. Maybe it was 30 minutes in. What do we do? So when I go on podcasts and I inevitably get asked, what do we do? This is the, this is the answer to that. Okay. After talking about the other language patterns, talking uh, about the reticular activating system, talking about language, talking about what it influences, talking about the importance of breathing well, better, using our language to unlock our breath and vice versa, we come to the soft talk challenge. So on a clean sheet of paper, I'm going to rattle off the soft talk keywords, and I want you to write them five times larger than you normally write. What's going to happen is your reticular activating system is going to go, uh, why are we writing these words five times larger than we normally do? And then another part is going to go, hey, dummy, doesn't matter. Just pay attention to them because that's all you need. This conversation starts with awareness. Once you're this exercise will raise your awareness and then you're going to start hearing, seeing and hearing these words, these keywords in your language, in other people's language, and especially in your texts and emails. We've done more group trainings in corporate environments than I can count over the past seven years since we incorporated. And everybody comes back with the same thing. My email game is improved, which is actually quite a big deal. Because, I mean, does, does anybody like getting an email that's 19 paragraphs long with 16 requests in there that's just all fluid and flowy? No. Emails, you want to you have a tight email game? Treat it like a game of ping pong. Make it easy for the person to hit back. And so it's, until the thing's resolved, until it's done, whatever it is, and then you move on to the next thing. And soft talk will wreck your email game. Okay? And it will make people not want to respond to you. Sound fun? No, it doesn't. So here are the soft talk keywords. Write them on a clean sheet. I repeat myself on purpose and consciously. Write them on a clean sheet of paper, five times larger than you normally write them. Take that piece of paper, tape it up somewhere where you're going to see it for seven days, one week, and you're good to go. And inevitably, in a short amount of time, before the seven days are up, you're going to go, that dude was serious. I am. I'm serious and I'm sincere about this conversation because I know what's going to happen to you and for you by making some seemingly minor adjustments in your everyday ordinary language. First word, think. Maybe. Sort of. Kind of. Guess. I guess I'm drinking too much coffee. Could. Possibly. Probably. Hopefully. And try. 
Those words are in your language, folks, and they're influencing you. And if you invest, because we're not taking or spending, get it? The next three months, in three months, quick, more quickly for some of y'all, if you cut your soft talk keyword use in half, you will double your confidence. Imagine what you with double the confidence does. Imagine what, what you with double your confidence feels. Here's an interesting angle. Imagine what you with double the confidence, how that, that version of you sounds. That's my rant, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's really powerful stuff. I, I wrote it all down too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this exercise along with everybody else. I think, uh, I think it's a great one. And I think it, it's... It's something that um, I I've talked to. You know, I think I think other people that have gone through through your program as well, and just kind of that 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 soft talk topic is is obviously huge. And it's as you mentioned, like that once you kind of activate the reticular activating system, like now I notice, and I and I notice it in my kids. I mean, I always. I always had a problem with people saying can't. I, I've just always, that's been a thing that it be, maybe in, in part, there's just my own, like, go ahead, tell me I can't and I will. Like, that's that's kind of, I always, I, I don't know why, like chip on my shoulder. I, I don't know, <laughs> I don't have a good reason for that, but I've always felt that way. And so when I hear my kids say I can't, I am immediately in there, you know, sort of trying to correct what we're like, you know, you can, you just might need some help or you, you just ask daddy, I can help, you know, that kind of thing. It, it's, it, it's true. It's, and I, I don't, I noticed it a lot once I had, once my son started talking, he's three, it's like, you know, he's still figuring out how to <laughs> form some sentences, but, but you can see that progression. And so it's pretty cool to mold it, right? It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's really cool to just, be there as he's going through it and just say, you know, we, we don't, we don't say can't, we don't, you can, we might need help, but we can, I guess I shouldn't even say might, we need help. <laughs> we need help when something is hard, we, but we can, and, and trying to, uh, you know, impart that to them. And and so, I mean, I, I love this stuff. I think it's very, very powerful and it, it's easy. Uh, I think that, you know, that question you say right at the beginning about, are you going to be complaining about this when you're 55? And, and you made the point that, you know, you really might. And I think that the fact is a lot of people do. Yeah. A lot of people hold on to whatever it is. They're holding on to something their whole life, maybe. And it, and it's, it's true. It's, it's not, it's not fun. It's not a, it's not a good way to live. It's not, it's not going to help you your relationship with yourself. It's not going to help your relationship with your family, any, anything it's, and, you know, using these tactics to, to get out of that. And, and if you need, if you need a coach to help with it, do that. Like it's it, because it, I really do think it will change your life that, you know, just look, and it, it I'm not, I have plenty of limiting beliefs. I'm not here sitting here like, Oh, don't worry about me. I already, <laughs> I already do all these things, but I, but I do recognize the power of it. And it, it's true. Once you start trying to focus a little bit on it, you, see, you just see it everywhere. You just see how prevalent it is in, in people's language, in the way that we interact with each other and ourselves. It's just kind of, kind of crazy how, uh, how much we, it's, it's like a part of our, our life. <laughs> Big time, because it's parts of our story. Um, you know, there's most, like I've said, like I said, most people's language is working against them. Most, and, and it's and it's gonna, it's some, some of their language is working against them. Some of people's identity is working against them. So we have these, the language and the lack of education about what to do with the stories that have that that still annoy us or annoy us right now or hurt us we're hurting about something or haunt because those are the three that's the scale annoyed hurt 
or haunted. When we do workshops, that's how we help people categorize stories and and what to do with the stories that have, that every time you like barely touch the thing in your imagination, ugh, like that, the thing that's 20, time does not apply to the emotional body, folks. The thing that's 25 years old that happened when you were nine, that you can still feel the reverberation of it emotionally speaking in your body. What do you do with that stuff? That's another thing that we specialize in. There's a second part to this conversation, Jason. And if you if you get a, a good response from this, this podcast, I'm very happy to come on and lay that whole thing out because we're open source with our coaching tech for a, a number of reasons. One, uh, it cre- we're very confident in it. Okay, I'll put this coaching system up against anything as far as the remediation of the victim mentality is concerned and scripting what we call an architect mentality. And even more important than that, uh, it creates the good juju. You know, here's what we do. Here's what we do. Here's how it works here, how you can use it. If you want to come get certified, come on over. Great. You're going to love it. If not, we're going to teach you anyway. We're teachers to the core. We just did a um, our quarterly and lifted essentials workshop uh two nights ago and it's 90 minutes of show and tell what does that mean so uh i get on i say hey i'm mark thanks for coming i'm the head coach of Enlifted. everybody get a pen we start writing things down and i coach and teach the whole way through so it's as much action and as much instruction about how to turn around and use this with yourself and your clients because most people that show up for that the those quarterlies are our coaches and um and yeah we're just we we're just what we do teach people this stuff it's awesome i mean it's like i said I, I i've talked to other people on the podcast that have been that are coaches i think uh through your program and and that have been being coached and it's always it's really refreshing and just kind of because i do think that the negative self-talk and and all of that you know is is really prevalent in our society and just mm. in, like on a daily basis. And it's just, it's nice to kind of realize it doesn't have to be that way. And I, I think, it, you know, not, not everybody's going to do it. Not everybody's going to make the changes, but it, but it doesn't have to be that way. And it's nice to talk to people that, that obviously like <laughs> believe very strongly that, you know, so much so that you've created a, a coaching program around it. So it's, it is really cool to, to have, you know, to be able to, experience and, and share that sort of perspective with with people that listen to the podcast as well so i, I do I, I mean thank you thank you and, and i think it would be great to have you back on another time um just just in the interest of time because i feel like this, sure, this conversation sure. we could we could talk about this stuff forever which i you know is is great um i i want to ask you you know in large part it's because it's the name of the show but but with the show being know your why, I do like to ask every guest, Mark, you know, kind of what's your why? What, why do you do this? Why do you, why do you put in this work and, and, uh, you know, do what you do for people and, and, you know, kind of created this coaching program. What, what drives you? It's, there is a couple of whys. Um, attraction is not a choice. I fell in love with this work on site 2003 when I saw that guy go with that woman's story about the bad breakup, the emotional detoxing. And I was a horrible student, dude. I mean, beyond horrible. Um, I was intentionally disruptive and destructive in middle school, especially in high school. I toned it down a little bit in college. And a a large majority of that was because I was bored out of my mind. One, kids aren't supposed to sit that much when they're, when they're growing up, I mean, change, change my mind. Good luck changing my mind on that. And then also all that just rote learning memorization of stuff that like, I I mean, I can laugh at a lot of that stuff. You know, my, my algebra teacher in ninth grade was like, you're not going to walk around with a calculator in your pocket when you grow up. No, actually I do, you know, (laughs) party, har, har, right. 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 Jokes on Um, you, ninth grade math teacher. It's it's, it's serious, you know, and then there's all the other stuff. Um, And, and so there's this work, it has held my attention, which, like I said, I'm super grateful for the whole time. I've got some spooky gas tank for this stuff. You can ask anybody. Um, 
and and part of that is also it's it's there's some existential terror involved with me if i if not doing this like like i'm i'm supposed to do this and i know that ought to better core the fabric of my being level uh so much so that after 10 years of doing it I'm like, okay, cool. I've got no more questions about what I'm going to do with my professional life. And I got into my calendar and scrolled down. So I started work. I started professionally coaching January 17th, 2007. So I'm going to do this for 50 years. I want to know what 50 years in the game feels like. Um, And so I scrolled, got into my calendar. I scrolled down to January 17th, 2057. It's in my calendar right now. It took me a little while to get there. And that's my last day of work. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I'm out. On the 18th of January, 2057, see ya. And it's fascinating. I meet such cool people through this work, okay? Because the work makes people better. What does that mean? Improve your, raise your awareness about some of the words that you're using and make some changes and you're going to get yourself out of these upregulated stress states. And you're going, to, you're going to unlock your breath. You're going to breathe better. And when you do that, all kinds of great stuff happens. You're going to be easier to be around. You're going to be in better moods more often. You're going to be more prone to smile and laugh. Your face is going to unlock. Okay, that twinkle in your eye that most people are just walking around with dull eyes that will return. Um, You will sleep better. You'll digest your food better. You'll poop better. Uh, Your your workouts, you know. Trap your keep your breath in your chest and go work out versus get your breath low and slow and then go work out. See what happens there. You know, you're, you, you will raise your psychological and emotional immunity to other people. And some people out there, they just want to steal the life out of, like, it's, they get off on making things worse. I used to be one of those people. And I, and I also, I used my skills as a fighter to, to do that. Um, and it was all it was all band-aid for a telephobia, which is the technical term for the fear of not being good enough. But um, you know. So it's if I find it fascinating watching people change helping people change their words and their and unlock their breath and they just go do cool stuff or cooler stuff or even cooler stuff. Those are my answers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I mean it. When you find something that you're you're truly passionate about, and you you know whatever you want to call it, it's your calling, or you know whatever it it it, it is, it, it's not hard to find energy to it. It's not fine. And then when you start having the impact that you're having, I I can imagine that that only fuels it that much more. It's just you know it it's a uh, I like the <laughs> I like the twenty fifty seven analogy, but I I. Don't think you will. I don't think you will stop. I don't, I just I think when you have that uh, when you have that passion about something that much, like if if all else is good, I don't think you're going to just be able to shut that off one day. But I, we'll talk again in 2057 and see hey, what dude, you know what happens. Um, <laughs> maybe that maybe 2057. It's it's that last day is is one of your podcasts. Yeah. I'll be 80. I'll be, and here's another thing. Another reason I love this where it's not like fighting has got a very short shelf life. Okay. Yeah. This has got a very long shelf life. My business partner, he's smart. He, he goes, you're going to peak 25 years in. Okay. I'm 15. So I'll peak in another 10 years. And he goes, you'll sustain that for 15 years, that plateau. And then you'll start, you'll start dropping off from 70 to 80. And, and I, I heard that and I'm like, cool, that's a long time. That's like, right. I can get like, really? better that's and great. better at this. <laughs> right. And, and yeah. when I look at 70 to 80, I'm like, you know what? I, I, yeah. Give me the cruise control and the margaritas. I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be, okay. To wind it down from, yeah, from okay, 70 you know, to 80. That's, just, that's a, 
May, that I guess I, I can buy that scenario a little bit more. That that if you're yeah. if you're kind of tailing off, then then sure, yeah. maybe maybe at eighty you, you shut it off. Um, Mark, when people hear this uh, and they want to reach out, what's the best way for them to to get in touch? And I'll I'll go ahead and um, we'll get everything in the show notes as well. We have a podcast. It's called Get In Lifted. It's all about the words, and it's for coaches by coaches. And a lot of people listen to it that are not coaches. They just want to learn more about the words. There's, um, there's 11 mini, uh, I think all of them under 12 minutes lessons. You could call them that at the beginning. Um, that's fun. And then if anyone wants to, if, if there are any coaches out there, you're looking to get certified. You want to, you want to learn how to dismantle the victim mentality effectively, very effectively and very reliably in lifted.me. Go there. It's a it's a good looking website. Like I said, my, this, that's all my. I'm the front end. My business partner is the back end. He makes. He's like the website. Like they're all. It's a great thing. And um, yeah, that's got all the information about uh, our level one certification. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we'll put that. We'll put that in show show notes. Thank you. Um, listen, thank you. This has been uh, it's been amazing. Uh, I really do appreciate kind of everything. I, I just. Uh, I've got my list of words here. I'm ready. I'm ready to get started. I, I like I said, I, I've been trying to be more conscious of those things in large part, probably because of the reach that you've had with other people. But uh, I think that uh, it's, it, it really is kind of an amazing power to, to change your language and, and especially to yourself, right? Like to the, to the way that you talk to yourself about things. So, so thank you for all that you do. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on Jason. Thank you everybody for listening. Yeah. And everybody, uh, please, uh, I'm sure you're going to love this episode. So go ahead and, and leave us a review. Um, it, it'll help, help it reach other people. So thank you and have a great day. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey without a strong why it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.